So I learned so much with that video on like, ask what they want to see, like verify that that video is even wanted. And then number two, figure out what people want to know, make that video, get their feedback on title and thumbnail before you do it, and then release it when it's Mm -hmm. ready. People are always on, they're always going to go to the bathroom and open YouTube. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. I mean, I don't do that. Right. I hear people do yeah. that. So, yeah, just make content We're better people want to see. And no one had made that no one had made that specific video, yeah. I don't think. Before we get to the episode today, I want to thank our sponsor Surf Prep Sanding. Whether you're looking for the highest quality of sanders, dust extractors, or abrasives, Surf Prep has what you need to take your project to the next level. I've been using Surf Prep for a couple of years now and know firsthand the quality of their products. The amazing family who stands behind their brand is by far the best in the industry. Use code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, for 10% off your order at surfprepsanding.com. Thank you to Surf Prep for sponsoring today's episode. Head over to their website and use that code for that 10% off and let me know if you have any questions. What a great family uh, Surf Prep is, their family-owned operation. And so if you ever need anything and you reach out to them, it's, you're probably talking to one of the family members. So great, great people. Also, thank you to our patrons. We have a new patron. You may have heard him on last week's episode. Uh, Nick Sawyer with Sawyer Design became a top tier patron. So thanks to Nick and all of our other patrons. Uh, we will mention them at the end of the episode. So if you want to get in on the patron action we do uh from time to time we do live streams we did a live stream uh from WorkbenchCon with uh surf prep and so great time over there uh head over to patreon.com slash maker lounge podcast we also have a discord where you can write in questions or topic ideas Welcome to The Lounge. I'm Matt with Voltner Woodworking and your host of the Maker Lounge podcast, where we have a rotating group of makers hanging out and talking shop with each other. Whether he's doing tool reviews or working on product development, this creator keeps subscribers engaged with his intriguing storylines and visual style. From Sunday morning sermons to speed squares, he can deliver a compelling (laughs) message that keeps his audience from nodding off. He has more track saws than there are days of the week, and somehow... He has convinced his wife they are for research and development. <laughs> if you watch his videos, you'll quickly see he puts the wit and wit works. Drew Wit, thanks for being here. Oh, man. That's great. Thank you. I have 11 now, by the way. Is that right? 11 tracks? Yeah, I just, I, just, I just bought another one last week. Oh, my gosh. So should we expect a tool review on that one? Oh, no. Um, I might... I might uh, put it into, so I have these three saws that people keep asking me to review, mm-hmm. but they're not worth reviewing. <laughs> so I'm going to just do them all together as like the crappiest tracks. Like, here's what you need to know about the crappiest <laughs> track saws. <laughs> and so I'll just shoehorn that one yeah. in, you know. I could already see the it's comments. Like, like, I own this one. I think it's great. Oh, <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. That's good. It's like you should try Festool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you think that's great. <laughs> Eleven yeah. track saws. So, when did you get your first track saw? You know, I borrowed uh, a track a Makita. I think it was the end of 2019, and 
I was amazed at how quickly I was cutting up some plywood and I was preparing to spend like an hour cutting up and I was done in five minutes mm. and all the pieces were like accurate, like dead on. Yep. And there was no, and I was like, oh my word. And so I held on to it. <laughs> and like two weeks later, my friend's like, hey, I need my track saw back. I was like, dang it. I hope you forget about it. <laughs> and, uh, and then Black Friday, I think it was Black Friday or Christmas, um, Amazon had that Makita one. And it was like 300 bucks or yeah. something. And uh, so I, I got it and it just, I stopped using my table saw for most things. Right. Just because it was safer and it was just more accurate. I didn't have to measure all these offsets and. You know, uh, so that was my first one was really the end of 2019. Yeah, I had um, I have a Makita as well. So I I agree with you on on Makita. I was a little bit uh, burned when you did the Milwaukee one. (laughs) But uh, my my friend Drew, uh, my friend um, uh, came over and he said, hey, I, I he was gonna help me out with the project. And he's like, yeah, I brought my track saw. And I was like, Oh, this is dangerous. I had never used one before. So as soon as he left, I was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, can I? And she said, go ahead. So I bought a, bought oh, a track saw. Yeah. She's a great supporter. You had the cordless, you had the cordless yeah. Makita, yeah. the 36. Yeah. It's great, man. Like if, if people are using, yeah. like, I, I almost feel like the, the, uh, chop saw is irrelevant these days. Yeah. I, I rarely use mine. Yeah. Um, I need to have, if I had a, a little bit more space, I'd have an MFT set up where I can do cross cuts. Yeah. You, it, for most people, I'm surprised by how many people are getting into that. It's, it's in particular, like retired folks mm-hmm. who they just, you know, they're downsizing or they just don't want to lift a whole sheet of plywood through a table saw anymore. Right. And they're like, I'm going to get a Festool MFT and a Trex and like, I'm like, wow, okay, mm. this is crazy. Yeah. I'm really surprised at it. They're great. I mean, you could even just, off as you're offloading the stuff from your, your truck, if you have a couple sawhorses there, just break down the sheets and bring it in. It's like... Oh, the biggest thing is, uh, I haven't done a video on it yet, but I bought a Bora, like centipede thing. It like collapses. Looks like a, you know, like the pop-up yeah. tents. You seen yeah, those? Yeah, I've got and one. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. It, uh, great for space saving if you're working in a one car garage or something like that like a lot of a lot of people are yeah yeah they're cheap they're cheap they're space saving they're light you know yeah there's some trade-offs but you know for the average person it's great yeah so speaking of festool uh, i gotta say that you're the third guest in a row i think that went that attended the festool event and I, <laughs> oh, i'm not yeah. gonna say that i'm jealous <laughs> oh man that looked like a great time it's a great you know i'm a makita man yeah and when i started my channel one of my bucket list items was one day i'd love to work with makita mm-hmm. and i'm over here dreaming i've given them so much love i've sold so many of their saws mm-hmm. they either don't know who i am or are pretending to not know who i am <laughs> yeah and uh I get a insta. I get a DM, um, one uh, uh, one day from someone that works with them, and said, "Hey, can we have your cell phone number?" And I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> like, am I in trouble?" Because yeah. they they said, "Hey, we saw your video on the Festival Dust Extractor." And I was like, "Oh crap!" And uh, so they called and said, "Hey, we want to invite you to this event." So this was like the fall of last year. I was like, "What?" 
And um, a couple of months later, I got an email. And uh, yeah, I was really um, blown away at that whole thing. Yeah. Just like, I'm dreaming of Makita and Festival slides right. in. It's like, hey, can we talk? You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. You're waiting and, for Makita to contact you. <laughs> and I, you know, I've appreciated Festool. Um, the only thing I don't like about them is their prices. Right. But af- after being there, I now understand. Yeah. Like their facility is beautiful. They take care of their employees. Like they have natural windows in their warehouse. It's um, they have climate control in the warehouse. None of the other warehouses around in the industry park have climate control. Wow. They had set, uh, there's a other company next to them that I won't um, <laughs> say their name, but everyone buys from them every day. Mm. And uh, they had like an employee almost die because it was so hot in the oh, wow. warehouse in the summer. And so festival they have air conditioning in there. They have like one eight hour shift. Their employees get paid one hour lunches and 15 minute breaks two paid 15 minute breaks it's like a family owned i thought festival was this major corporation they're family owned um and like how they treat their employees and and then like the work that they do my takeaway is like you can't do this cheap Mm. You, you you can't you can't do what they're doing and have the quality talent and pay them like trash uh and so walking away, I was like, I get it. I get why the price point is where it's at. I don't remember if it was you or somebody else, but it says that they charge by the character of their, their models. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, I, I heard that and I was like, well, I got to write that one down, but I, I can't steal it. But in casual conversation, I'm, I'm definitely using that one. <laughs> their, their CEO is, I mean, I spent like an hour, over an hour talking to their CEO at the event. Wow. And um, just a dude, just a dude. Mm-hmm. And like, he's already emailed me twice. I think he gave um, Derek from Malden a ride home and like gave him his cell phone numbers. Hey, if you ever need any help, let me know. Just like, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting the contact info of the CEO of Makita. Right. I'm pretty sure. Right. Right. So now skeptics might say that's just their strategy to like win you. But I have a pretty good radar and like, man, Sedge. Mm-hmm. And um, Brent and and Clint and all the people there, hundred percent, just salt to the earth, hundred percent, good people. I did not pick up uh, any. Uh, I didn't pick up anything saying that they're trying to market. Um, yeah, or they're trying to you know win you over, smooth you. They're not. It was it was fantastic, and they've never paid me anything. They've never given me anything. Right. So yeah, it's not like yeah. suddenly <laughs> you're I have on a the payroll. Deal, and I'm yeah. talking great. That, <laughs> I'd lit- it cost me money to go out yeah. there, you know. I lost two days of work, and I had to pay uh, to 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 go out there. And um, they gave me a little bit for my flight, but it didn't cover it. Right. And so, um, yeah, great. I don't like the prices, but I get them. I, I understand. Understand um, why they why it is the way. Yeah, it is. surf prep is is very much the same way. Um, Skyler, he is the most personable person you you'd ever met and just a, it's a great family and um you know com- you compare that with uh, some of the other uh different types of sanding systems and it's it's like you're saying it's it's like a difference between festool and and makita versus surf prep and i don't want to say the other ones but y- y- you get the point <laughs> some yep, yep. of some of the other ones you know it's like 
you'll never you'll never talk to the same person over there you'll never um if you have an issue like there was a uh, Skyler tells a story about how there was somebody who um the sander they brought the sander or sent the sander back to him and said hey it's broken it fell on the ground and it, it was demolished and so he takes a look at it and he's like look i'll fix it um but come to find out that the actually the sander was run over <laughs> and uh and they, the owner didn't know when he sent it in that that was actually the story but one of his his guys had run it over but skyler replaced it and it's like look that's fine like i stand behind my product and so it's yeah. good to have good american you know family-owned businesses and well festival's german but <laughs> yeah they're german but you know what's crazy is they're um I didn't know this. They're they do all of their repairs in Indiana. Oh, okay. Okay. So like Milwaukee has repair centers everywhere, and you just kind of ship it to the closest yeah. one. The reason why Festool is in Indiana is it's like the cl- they can get to Canada, southern part of the United States, and both coasts in about the same amount of time. Wow. And it's like this perfect like clover, I guess what they call it. But they're they're uh, if you send something in to get repaired, uh. They guarantee that it will be out the door within twenty within forty eight hours. Oh wow! But ninety six percent of repairs go out the door within twenty four hours. That's impressive. So they they do ninety repairs a day, and so like literally, if you're on the like if you're making your money with the tool right. and you break it on a Monday and you ship it in and they get it like on a Wednesday, it's in the mail on Thursday. Wow. And you might get it on Friday or Saturday or, or worst case Monday. And like to get a tool replaced within seven, within it back in your hands within a week. Yeah. Crazy. And I'm not distant theory. I had a sander that I messed up and so it happened. Wow. That's, that's great. I love to hear that. Yeah. So the thing is like, you're not getting that with Ryobi or rigid. Right. I mean, I've heard horror stories of people who have a lifetime warranty with Rigid and Rigid won't honor it, mm. you know? So th- there's just like, you know, if you're making your money with this, I think you can make a case that you're wasting, you're going to spend more money going with these lower brands right. because the t- when the tool fails, you're you're out of, you're screwed. Yeah. But with Festool, I think you get a three-year warranty maybe. Okay. I forget the exact term, but it's a great warranty and you can get your thing back within a you know, like the next the, the next day that they receive it, you're getting it in the mail back. I mean, it's unbelievable, yeah. and you you just can't do that cheap. We're so used to like IKEA and Walmart and Amazon and all these like bargain products mm-hmm. that operate at these global economies of scale. Right. Like great things cost money. Definitely. Great things take time. Great things cost money, and and to do great things consistently, you need great people. And you need to pay great people great. Mm-hmm. And need to air condition their work environment and do one shift and give them paid lunch to keep mm-hmm. them. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't do that selling sanders for fifty bucks, yeah. you know? So that's true. I get it. You know, you can cry about not being able to afford it, <laughs> but their business model necessitates what they're doing. Yeah. And I can respect yeah. that. I don't have to like it, but I can respect yeah. it. So speaking of uh lunch breaks and working in the heat, you used to do lawn care and now you do uh, now you do woodworking. So I see that you started your, your channel, um, your YouTube channel and you had a lot of like lawn care stuff. Um, was that, what, what was the shift? Like what created the shift? 
for you? Yeah, so I started with some woodworking stuff. And um, at the time, I was following a lot of woodworkers and a lot of um, lawn care things, lawn care people. The kind of the reason was is when we bought our, when we built our house, we put sod in, and I knew nothing about caring mm. for it. And then it was the winter time, and it went dormant. And then by May, it hadn't woken up, and I freaked out like I can't afford to resod my right. yard. And so I went on YouTube to figure out how do I take care of my grass, and I learned I was not watering it enough. I didn't know how to fertilize and all that stuff. And then I got addicted to the transformation. It's like, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, if I do this, I get this. And I got to the point to where like I got a golf course lawnmower on Craigslist and um, was like real cutting at like half an inch and sand leveling the yard. And neighbors would always walk by and go, how do you like your fake grass? And they were serious, oh, wow. but it was real. It looked, I, I could send you a picture, like it looked like artificial turf, but it was real. No weeds. It was perfectly level and flat. And I got really just addicted to like this yard looked like trash and now it looks like a golf green. Yeah. And I did that. And th so that's real. I hated yard work, but that feeling of like I turned something trashy into this beautiful thing was just amazing. And I learned a lot along the way and people get, would ask me questions. And since I was kind of passionate about it, I would do that. So my one day I was going to dethatch my lawn, which is just remove all the lawn litter that gets like down into the canopy that, you know, your mower doesn't suck mm -hmm. up and it just sits there and takes a while to de decompose. Um, the problem is, is it becomes a sponge for water and then it, so your water, when it rains, it doesn't go into the soil and then because it's a sponge and then you fertilize, then you're feeding fungus and that's how your yard can get like lots of disease. You're describing so, my lawn. You, my, <laughs> there you go. So I, I got this like dethatcher for a hundred bucks online and I, um, I, every spring I dethatch and scout my, my yard and it looks like trash for two weeks and then it looks perfect and it's like blows people's minds. So my wife says, you should video yourself doing that and talk about it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm a woodworking mm -hmm. channel. And so she's my wife. So I listened to her and I did it. I think I had like maybe 30 subscribers at the time. And the video got 100,000 oh views. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. It's the worst thing that could yeah. happen. Because <laughs> now my wife's like, I told mm -hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap. I need to make lawn. So I would do like, you know, why I'm scalping my yard and then like a Makita Trexaw review. And then and I would do well on both those videos. But what... I realized is the people who subscribed for the lawn, they they weren't, most of them weren't also interested in their workshop and vice right. versa. And so by the end of that year, I'm, I'm like bouncing back and I'm just like, oh, well, my niche is the homeowner, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And there are people who have that overlap. Yeah. Um, so a month after I started my channel, this guy named John Cesaro starts a channel, Lincoln mm -hmm. Street, Woodworks. And he he started a month after me and got to 100,000 subscribers in like 10 or 11 mm -hmm. months. And I was like at 1,000 yeah. subscribers. <laughs> and I was like, okay, 
I know how to do video better than this guy. I know how to do audio. Like, he's got a video where, like, one half of the audio isn't even on yeah. there. You know, like, like how does this guy get 100000 And so we became friends, sort of. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he's just so blunt. And he told me, Drew, you need to, you need to do some soul searching and figure out, are you going to do lawn content or are you going to do woodworking? Mm. And ever since that conversation, I haven't done another lawn video. <laughs> <laughs> but the the the, the uh, playlist is still there for those that are interested. How long is well, the, is the uh, lifespan? I need to unlist yeah. them. I need to unlist them. Uh, I think I, after this video, I'm going to go unlist them because it's about to be lawn care season, and I'm I'm going to ruin my algorithm oh, yeah. if those videos start getting traction. Yeah. So um, I think that's yeah. the hardest part for. You know, I'm, I'm, what's interesting, right before we got on, I was like, let me take one more peruse through your Instagram channel and, uh, your Instagram page. And I came across a post where you said you were kind of at the precipice of quitting, uh, quitting your YouTube channel. And then a video took off and you showed the chart of that. I'll, I'll try to put that up on the screen for anybody that's, uh, watching and, I looked at my wife. And I said, look at this, babe. I said, I feel like this is where I'm at. Like I, I just know in my heart that something's got to take off. And if it doesn't, then I'm, I'm it just not for me. And she, so your post to, that you posted back in October was like very inspiring for me today. I'm like, okay, just one more, one more oh, video. Yeah. And so I, I needed to see that. So you, you skyrocket. There's a, there's a, there's so many, there's so many, so I'd seen so many people do that same thing. I was about to, here's where I was about to quit and look what happened. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that'd be nice, but I'm still slugging away two years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, uh, I actually have an image, I have an image, uh, a screenshot. And I think it actually was in that Instagram yeah. of my good friend, John from Huntington builds. He had texted me and said, Hey, how's the vacuum video going at that point i was three weeks into the video mm. i had almost finished the edit that took me 50 hours to edit i had spent i think maybe close to two thousand dollars on this video um because i bought all the all the tools and i had done my final pass and realized i don't have enough b-roll for this one thing and if I'm really going to do this right, I need to get that B-roll shot. So I had to go back out in the garage, set everything back up, get all these B-roll shots, and I hated everything. Mm -hmm. John texts me at that moment, says, how's the video coming? And I took him a picture. I took a screenshot. I, I sent him a picture, and I said, if this video doesn't take off, I'm quitting. Yeah. And um, that video ended up getting, I think, 1,000 views in the first day, 2,000 views the second day, 4,000 views the third day. It, it doubled every day until day seven. It hit a hundred thousand views. It's now, I think, over five hundred and fifty thousand views on that That's video. Great. And I had forty four hundred subscribers in the end of September, which was October, November, December, January, five months ago. So I had forty five hundred subscribers five months ago, and I think I just crossed thirty two or thirty three thousand. Yeah. And a lot of it is because of that video expanded the profile of the mm -hmm. audience that YouTube recommends. And I learned so much with that video that I've just I've kept implementing the lessons I learned in that video. So would and, you um, would you say yeah. because you it was more 
of a broad audience or something? Like what was the, what were the key takeaways just like that would apply to everybody? Is would it apply to everybody? Yes. Um, but you got to pay for that. I'm yeah, yeah. I'll tell you for free. Save it. We can save it um, for the after show. There, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll give it away. Um, there's, there's a, there's a lot. Okay. So the first thing is I had actually joined a YouTube mastermind by a guy. I think his name is Leron. Um, I forget his last name, but his, I think his YouTube channel is called the techie guy. He's got maybe 800,000 subscribers. He consults with like Preston Plays and like all these big YouTubers who have tens of millions of subscribers. He's like their whisperer mm-hmm. or whatever. So he, through NOS Academy, did a like a YouTuber thing. I think it was like a, maybe four or $500. And so I signed up for it in the summer. And it was basically um, the takeaways are, number one, you're not going to hack the algorithm. Yep. So stop trying. It's smarter. It's not about you. keywords. <laughs> and and no. Nope. And he said, replace algorithm with people. Mm. Instead of making a video to serve the algorithm, make a video to serve people. It was just like basic stuff mm-hmm. like that. But one of the assignments was uh, you know, really study your avatar. And like it was like a 40 minute video and like a 20 page PDF you had to print out and you had to like go interview your subscribers and like, what are they afraid of? What gets them angry? Mm-hmm. Like, like write out. And then part of the thing was you had to actually come up with my avatar is Jim and he's a 35 year old white dude living in suburban, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Okay. And I, I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, but I did it. And I had become friends with a lot of early subscribers and eventually it was like, you know, they would Instagram me and then eventually Instagram got annoying. I was like, dude, here's my cell phone number. I can't keep coming back to Instagram right. and talk to you. And so I ha- I probably have, I was probably like 10 people in the audience that have my cell phone number. And like, I am like, we're legitimate friends. Okay. Like wholeheartedly, my, my pure heart is I like these people and they're my yeah. friend. They happen to be subscribers. Also, I study them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I like genuinely care about them, and so I just pay attention to like, you know, what their what their problems are, what like how I can help them, like legitimately, how can mm-hmm. I help them? And um and so like I always run video ideas by them. I run titles and thumbnails by them. I let them see previous edits, and I'm like, tell me where you get bored. Tell me what doesn't connect. Because like it doesn't matter what idea I have, mm-hmm. if it's not helping you, it's pointless. Right. And so tell me how to help you. You know, help me yeah, help yeah. you, right? And so, um, so one of the assignments was ask your audience about your next video. So I went to the community tab at the end of I think it was in September. So th- this is the gold. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the gold. Wait, here's how you get a five hundred. We'll put that in the after show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is there, there an after show? I don't know. I didn't sign up for it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's the gold. If you're making videos, do this tonight, okay? Go to your, go to your you know, make a poll. And the poll was, um, I have five video ideas. Which one do you want to see mm. next? And I listed out, like, 
you know, a marking measuring video, uh, like a laser review video, um, like mistakes you make at the table saw, whatever. And there was like um, four videos that I had like on the dock, mm -hmm. okay? However, that week I had gotten two comments of people who had watched a video I did from almost a year earlier when I bought the Festool vacuum. I bought the vacuum and did like a little, hey, I bought this vacuum. I might do a, a comparison against this rigid shop vac. I never did the video. But the week before I did this community post, I had two people comment on that video that maybe had a thousand mm -hmm. views. And they said, hey, did you ever do that one video? Mm. And I was like, no. <laughs> but I had in the back of my mind. So I put on the poll, cheap, rigid vacuum versus $1,500 mm -hmm. Festool. And at that time, most of the community engagement I would get on my feed was like, I might get five thumbs up in one yep. comment. Like no one You're really like my channel. talked yep. back to me. <laughs> okay. But what I was doing, looking back, was I was like, hey, here's a community post about me. Mm. But this one, I flipped it and I made it about the person. I made it about the, the audience. And I said, hey, which one of these videos are you most interested in? I had, I think... 349 people answer the poll. Wow. I didn't know 349 people were paying attention wow. to me. And the number one video that they wanted to see was this vacuum comparison mm. video. The one I threw in as a last minute thought because these two people had commented about it. It wasn't on my radar. It wasn't on my yeah. dock. I was not planning on making that video. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting that this amount of people responded and the one I want, the video I wanted to make, like 2% voted mm. for. The video I wasn't even thinking of making, 80% or whatever voted wow. for that. And so I had, you know, my coach's voice in my head, you know, make videos for the audience, not the mm -hmm. algorithm, you know. So then I did what everyone says to do and I had never done. I went and made a thumbnail mm -hmm. first. I had never made a thumbnail before the video until mm -hmm. that time. It was always an afterthought. So I go into the garage, I set up the two vacuums, and I take a bunch of shots. And I do the obligatory Mr. Beast yep. face. <laughs> Surprised, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and I got so many people saying, I hate the Mr. Beast face, you're better than that. Mm. And I was like, what? Mm. I mean, I hate it right. too. But I thought, you're told you have to do the Mr. Beast face like John Malecki if you want to get 300,000 mm -hmm. views. And there was so many, respect to Mr. Malecki, but like there were so many people who were like, I hate, I won't even click on a video. I was like, oh, wow. Mm. Okay. So I ended up um, doing two versions. One was just the two vacuums with the prices above them and a versus. And then I did an option with me in, the, mm -hmm. in there. And I A-B tested them eventually. and like way more people clicked the one that had my face mm. in it but i did this like a simple fa i didn't do like a crazy right. face it was just like a like a weird face it was a very a very subtle mm -hmm. face but my face was in there and i think there's like lots of data on people click on faces more than not yeah. faces just don't don't be stupid mm -hmm. right so i made that made a thumbnail in the title so then i posted a third comment a third community post and it was what questions do you want answered mm. And I had a guy comment, this is too many posts, I'm unsubscribing. You're annoying. That's what he Bye. said. 
<laughs> and I was like bothered. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. crap. Am I doing too much? I gained 29,000 <laughs> subscribers <laughs> since that guy said that. So I think yeah. I'm okay. But um, I had so many people ask all these questions that I wasn't thinking mm. of. And I had one guy even say, I'm really interested in the air quality of the HEPA. Could you figure out a way to test the air quality? And I was like, I hadn't thought mm -hmm. about that. So um, I took everyone's questions and I formulated them into a script and I made the video based on what people wanted to know. That's great. That's powerful. So I then shot that. I, I, I did that and then I edited it down and I was like, oh, man. Uh, this video is supposed to be like 10 minutes because I'm told, you know, videos longer than 10 minutes don't perform well or whatever, mm -hmm. which is a lie. And so I did another thing and it was, hey, do you, do you care more about filter performance, suction, noise, whatever? And the last section was, I'm fine with a 30 minute video. Mm. Or like all of it, I'm fine with a 30-minute video. And the most amount of people said, all of it, I'm fine with a 30-minute video. I was like, oh, so I don't have to cut out things? I'll just put mm. it all there? So I was, here's another myth that was busted. I was going to hold it for like Saturday morning because that's what YouTube says is the prime time to mm. release it. And it, I was done with the video. It was uploaded, locked and loaded on Thursday at 4 p.m., and I was going to hold it for another like mm -hmm. day and a half. And I go open YouTube and I see uh, Chris from A Glimpse Inside. He releases a video um, reviewing the Festool Cyclone for his CT MIDI. And that was a big part of the video that mm -hmm. I just did. And I got like kind of scared. Like, oh no, mm -hmm. Chris is great. This video is going to blow up. I have a video that mentions this in a couple of days. And for some reason, I thought like, well, my video is not going to do well. His video is going to take off. And so out of fear, I went and I, uh, I list, I like made the video public at like Thursday at like 403 mm -hmm. PM. So the point of that is I actually don't think release time matters. I'm glad you said that. If the video's if the video's good, the video's yeah. good. If the video's good, the video's good. And it took off. Um, so I learned so much with that video on like, ask what they want to see. Like verify that that video's even wanted. And then number two, figure out what people want to know. Make that video, get their feedback on title and thumbnail before you do it. And then release it when it's mm -hmm. ready. People are always on... They're always going to go to the bathroom and open YouTube. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I don't do that, right. but I hear people do yeah. that. So, yeah, just make content people want to see. And no one had made that, no one had made that specific video, yeah. I don't think. Um, and that's the one that got Festival's attention. It's, it, it, uh, dude, it just, it changed the channel. It changed the trajectory of everything. Um, but I always go back to, it was because I was studying my audience and I was asking, what do you want me mm -hmm. to make for you? And I yeah. made that. And it took like three weeks. It took a lot mm -hmm. of effort. And I did the same thing with the Milwaukee Trek Salt. I forgot 
that I bought that back in November, I didn't get tracking. And so like literally one day I come home from lunch and it's sitting in the <laughs> living room. I didn't know what yeah. it was. I was like, right. what's this box? Oh, it's a track saw. And so I just threw it out there like, hey, what questions do you have about this saw? And I got like 30 wow. immediately. And so that night I printed off the questions. I went into my workshop and I recorded a video. And at 9 p.m. on a Thursday, I uploaded the footage to my editor. He started working on it at like 5 a.m. on Friday. I got a preview at noon. He was going out of town. Mm. I did a couple of tweaks and then I released it on Saturday morning. And it has over, it got 300,000 views in eight days. Wow. And it just crossed 400,000 views. And it's the, I think it's the number one Milwaukee track saw. I don't think there's a Milwaukee track saw video that has more views than that one. Wow. And while I was at Festool, I got an Instagram message from someone at Milwaukee asking if they could call me. <laughs> and I talked to a guy last week from Milwaukee. He had me sign an NDA. They have a product they're working on that they haven't told anybody about that I can't tell anyone about for a year. And he wants to fly out to San Antonio to show me this product for a few days and get my input on it. And I'll have the first video in the world on it when it's released. Wow. That's who would have thought that this would have been in your future two years ago. Right, right. But I, I, I put all of that back on asking people what mm -hmm. questions do you have? I don't, now, I know how to do cameras. I know how to do lights mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And I, I have a, a certain personality and a certain style. But I, I weigh everything heavier on just ask people what they want to know and make yeah. that video. And get, get to the point. Cut the BS out. Make it fun. Make it entertaining. Be different. Yeah. Deliver on it. Um, make a good title and thumbnail. And you'll not only get like 400,000 views... You might get the actual company to DM you on Instagram to say, can we have your number? We want yeah. to talk to you. Well, um, you, you probably so, yeah. have really good retention, if I were to guess, because you do a fantastic job at storytelling, um, kind of like I mentioned in the intro. And I, you know, I think a lot of that comes from your, your background and having to write something that's going to captivate people for you know an hour or something like that. But you do a good job at drawing the viewer and getting them to hold on and then wait, there's one more point, but wait, that's not it. You know, there's one more point, uh, you know, like a, like an actual good Billy Mays. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Um, but, and then you've got a very, I, I, I hate, I hate doing yeah. that, but that's what, that's how human brains yeah. work. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I noticed that you I hate it. I despise you did it. <laughs> a play on it. I think if I were to guess, it was kind of a play on it. You're like, when you're talking about the marking knife and you, yeah, yeah, you yeah, kind yeah. of like strong, you know, you, you didn't abide the rule of threes in that you did like the rule of eights, you know, like, but that's not the reason why there's one more reason, you know, but that's not even the reason. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, an anticipation, curiosity, and anticipation. We are curious. Humans are mm -hmm. curious. And there's, I think, uh, I, I t every, almost every podcast I do, I talk about this book. Uh, if you're making content and you haven't read the book Hook Point okay. or listened to it, 
you should quit because you're being negligent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and basically, uh, I listened to it and then I ended up buying it and I I've, I go through and study it. Um, but hook point hook point by Brendan Kane. If you're not if you're skeptical, you could just YouTube hook point Brendan Kane the future or hook point Brendan Kane think media. He has two great um, interviews on both those channels which would be a good starting point for anybody. He uh, got a million followers on Facebook in 30 days. And then he got, he did it again on Instagram mm. and he wrote a book on how to do it. And his thing is everything they do is rooted in research and going viral is not luck. It's a science. It's a mathematical formula. And most people who go viral don't know why <laughs> they go viral. And so um, he helped Taylor Swift. Like his clients are like Taylor Swift, Katie Couric, uh, uh, professional athletes um you know i wouldn't be surprised if he's helped tom brady like he is brilliant and the book is he he talks about how there's like 60 billion digital messages made mm. every day and so if you are making a piece of content and you're not learning how to stand out you're just adding to the noise and so um I think that's why Lincoln Street and Cam for Blacktail mm -hmm. are so great is they know how to stand out. They know how to stand yeah. above the noise. Um, but but yeah, Hook Point with Brendan Kane is a fantastic, um, fantastic read. I'll put it in the show notes um, for those listening. Yeah. yeah. I've read, I've listened to it. I'm listening to it a second time and I've read through it. And um, just the, the the notion that any any niche can go viral it, it, it doesn't matter the niche humans right. are humans um but there are certain like i think there's like 50 different performance drivers that they look at for videos that mm. perform well versus videos that don't perform well and they have just a scientific approach to like analyzing all across every niche across every platform and uh i've i've learned a lot from from studying him I think um, I think if uh, guys building huts underground, you know, in uh, <laughs> Malaysia or wherever can go viral, then anything totally. can go viral. Everything has the, the potential. Yep. For sure. Um, yeah. I so, agree. yeah. And you have a, a specific style. In fact, I've seen other, um, you know, I've seen people comment, oh, that's a that's a wit. Uh, that's a Whitworks, you know, style or whatever. I think you get you, you, you get a, a a you have a certain way of delivering your videos that are it's consistent across your channel. You know, you've got the backlighting, you've got good um, facial lighting, things like that. Do you think that that is important for um, creators, or you think that's a specific thing for you? For me, those things are my unfair mm -hmm. advantages. Um, I don't know who popularized that that idea. I learned about it from a guy named Ali Abdal, who's a great YouTuber. And everyone has an unfair advantage. It's something that you're uniquely good at or experienced in that most people don't have. And when you pull on that lever, you get more leverage than the average mm. person. Um, so I'd, I'd say like, you know, I keep mentioning him, but because he's just, I have so much admiration for him. But John from Lincoln Street, his day job mm -hmm. is marketing. 
he understands marketing. That's his unfair advantage. And when he pulls on that lever, he can get 100,000 subscribers in mm-hmm. 10 months. You know? Yeah. So that's an unfair advantage to him. Um, one of my unfair advantages is, you know, I was in church ministry for 20 years, and every seven days I had to write a 25 to 30 minute talk and had to give it in person and hold attention in a room and do that every mm-hmm. seven days. And so, like, I went through. Like five years ago, I did the math on how many hours I've done <laughs> prepping and giving talks, and I was at 20,000 wow. hours. You know, and Ma- Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000-hour rule to, like, become, like, uh, I don't know, an expert or a, or whatever phrase yeah. he uses. I don't know. I Like five years ago, I had doubled that, right. you know, when it comes to public speaking. Just because since I was 18 years old, I was having to do that every seven yeah. days. And most, I bet you there's not a woodworker who's had to write the level of content every seven days for 20 yeah. years like I have. I I probably have more public speaking experience than any woodworker mm. on YouTube, just from yeah. the nature of that. There might be, maybe there's a handful more, but most, yeah. you get the, like most, most woodwork, like they don't have 20 years of public speaking yeah, experience. Makes sense. And so like, I had to figure out how to, how do I hold a room mm. for 30 minutes? On a very, very serious mm-hmm. topic. That is divisive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, I have that. And then I grew up, my dad was like a sound man. And when I was a, a teenager, I worked for the lighting designer for David Copperfield. And so like I was a stagehand and in the stagehand union at like 17 and was working with source fours and park hands and, and spotlights and intelligent moving lights before I could wow. drive. And so like sound and lighting and video and Photoshop, I got into all that when I was like 15, 16 years old, 12, actually 12 years old is when I started mm-hmm. getting into it. I'll be 40 this year. So for like third, what's that? Is that mm-hmm. 28 years? I've been playing with microphones and lights and cameras and computers right. and graphics. So all of that stuff just kind of combines so when I pull on it, for me, it's an unfair advantage where I get mm-hmm. a lot of leverage. But I don't think everyone yeah. needs to do that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Cam Anderson got to 100,000 subscribers mm-hmm. with his iPhone. Jason Hibbs is almost going to hit a million, and he still mm-hmm. uses his iPhone. And probably doesn't have a light, you know? <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's a uh, necessary. That, there are videos that I'll come across that are recommended to me. And the thumbnail is clearly taken from the a screenshot from the middle of the video, not thought out before. Um, the content is maybe 20, 30 minutes long, and a lot of it's just long and drawn out. But the topic is what is getting them. You look at them and it, it's like, how did this video get 50,000 views? I can't stand the first minute of it. But it's the topic, and so that topic resonated with an audience. So what you're saying is 100% true. And I spend so much time watching Think Media and video creators and and all great channels, and you know, with lots of u- useful information. But a lot of that talks about the algorithm, and you know, making videos for the algorithm. So what you're saying challenges that, but 
also makes a ton of sense because those if i think of as a viewer that's i'm watching these videos because i enjoy the content like the topic yeah 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 i mean i think it's now a popular saying and i believe it is that the algorithm follows people the algorithm follows what people are clicking on so if you're if you're making content that people want to click on I guess, yeah, you're making video for the algorithm, but the algorithm just follow. I would just focus on people. And that's why I would ask, like every video I do now, I, I'm asking, like I will wear out the community tab feature. Like I'm surprised how few creators use the community tab. It's, it takes no right. time to do. Yeah. Like I'll share other people's videos. I'll like share behind the scenes photos. I'll get polls. And it, to me, it's like I'm staying mm -hmm. in front of you and I'm not doing a video yet. And you're also helping me and I'm helping you and I'm getting interaction with you. And like, I don't know why people don't use the yeah. community tab more. I think you have to have a thousand subscribers to use it. But if you have, a, if you have a thousand subscribers, you're not using the community tab. I don't tab, think like, so. Because what um, are you doing? I, Did yeah, they open it up I, to more? For the podcast, I only have less than a hundred, uh, you know, cause I'm a new podcast. Um, and I was able to put a community post out there. Um, so I had a oh, So yeah, I think it's available. Well, it was a thousand. It yeah. was a thousand for me. Maybe, maybe I just I got think. lucky, <laughs> or maybe, or maybe I 100. posted it on the wrong on the wrong page. <laughs> no, it might be a hundred. It might, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's whatever, whatever it is. If you have access, yeah, yeah. use it. Yeah, use it to serve people. It doesn't. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, I mean, just sit down and and even if people don't engage, yeah. like, give it time. You know. Well, and, um, so speaking of making videos that that compel or are made for people, but you also have a different, like you have a product that you make and sell, uh, but you don't see a lot of that product, you know, in your content, your recent content that is, but yet your, con your products are doing really well. Um, so tell us you, kind of the, the different products that you make. Yeah, I probably, I think it was summer of 2021. I was listening to a talk that Sean Cannell was doing from Think Media. And it was it was all about like having a business behind YouTube. And I, at that time, I was like, I'm just trying mm -hmm. to make videos. And I'm hoping that I'll get monetized one day. And I hope that I can do enough affiliates. And maybe like, when views hit a certain thing, it'll make money. And he was just like challenging that idea of like, the reality is, is Amazon could come out and say, hey, they've already done it once or a couple of times. Like, I think at one time it was 3% or 6% and they dropped it to three. And, you know, like tomorrow they could say, we're mm. giving you 1%. Um, or like the algorithm can change. Like you're just, you don't want to put your financial eggs in like yeah. those baskets. And no, I hadn't even been monetized yet, but that's what I was aiming on and so i'm like well i don't know what kind of business i would have like i don't this is like a, a hobby for me right now that i hope becomes mm -hmm. a side hustle like i can't even think about a business and so this is again this will go back to i think what i'm about to tell you i have made close to a hundred thousand dollars on so uh, listen yeah, up I've kids got my pencil now, ready. uh but but, but but th this goes back to what I said before, okay? So I make this track saw video. I think I shared this on Matt's 
uh, on the, uh, 731's thing the other day. But um, I had I noticed it did well, so I did a accessories to track saws video because every I'm you know trying to be a good right. YouTuber. Do yeah, a, of course. Do a follow up when vo- when one video hits, do a follow up. Right, double down. <laughs> yeah, so I think that track saw video initially got like thirty thousand, and I had thirty subscribers or something. I was like, oh man, so I did a I did a follow up, and I got like fifteen thousand on that follow up. Was like great, and I had some Amazon links, and I noticed the number one thing people were buying was this like forty dollars Syntec hose for the track saw. And I just thought that was interesting. And then I the the second thing people were buying was this automatic vacuum switch for like thirty dollars. You plug your tool in, you plug yep. your vacuum in, and then when you pull the trigger on the tool, the vacuum turns on. And months go by before I make the connection that people spend money on dust collection mm-hmm. for their track saws. Okay. So then I see another video somewhere and someone's using their track saw and they have a piece of duct tape covering the arbor cover the arbor hole that's in the side of the the plate so you can change the blade and i was like oh i bet they put the tape on there to maximize their suction Mm -hmm. you know and then um i had seen someone else make a little snap-in cover and it was like neon orange Mm -hmm. or something and it's just like didn't look good with the with the saw and i just thought you know i bet i could make one of those um but like try to get filament that matches mm-hmm. Makita. And I wonder if I took really good listing photos and put it on Etsy, could I sell some? And so I bought a 3D printer for $300 off of Amazon. I knew nothing about 3D printing. And I Googled like Makita, uh, you know, 3D printer filament, Makita, teal. And I found a Reddit post of somebody who had like, hey, I found this, you know, it's called a uh, Mit. Uh, mid-century teal from Paramount or something like that. So I Googled it on Amazon. I was like, well, that's actually mm-hmm. a close teal. It's not dead on. I don't use that one anymore. Um, but... Uh, yeah, don't give away uh, all your secrets. It was really... <laughs> oh, I'll give it away. Yeah. Go to Protopasta, protopasta.com, and it's... Uh, whatever the word Makita is spelled backwards because they mm. don't want to get in trouble. But it's mm. an exact match. So if you want Festool or Makita, uh, <laughs> 3D printed, go to Protopasta, um, and they they actually made them based on the mm. brand color. So uh, I use those now, but they're like right. fifty bucks a roll. Yeah. So you're gonna spend some money. So anyways, I, I get a 3D printer and I learn how to do it. I find someone on Fiverr who can take my sketch and turn it into the file because I don't know Fusion. And, um, and I still use that guy to this day. He's a great, a great, uh, contractor. And so I may, I needed, I figured it out. I needed to sell 30 of these caps to pay for the 3d printer. I only had $200 in my business account and I had a credit card and I didn't, I've never carried a balance. So I had, you know, this $300 printer, this like $30 filament, some boxes, some label, I had all this stuff on the credit card and I didn't want to carry balance and I didn't even have the money to pay it off. So I was like, man, I need to sell these things. And I ended up selling, I think 60 that month and I doubled mm-hmm. what I needed and I paid for the printer and I made some and uh, people started asking me, Hey, do you do the cordless version? And so I was like, I can't afford to go buy the Milwaukee 36 mm-hmm. volt like you have. So you know what I did? I haven't actually told anyone this. I went to a spare parts website and I found that you can buy the side replacement covers of these things for mm. like $20. And so I, I bought the replacement 
part for mm-hmm. the 36 volt for $20. And then I made the well, part off great. of that. And then I just Photoshopped, I, I Photoshopped it in. And then I did that for the 40 volt. I did that for DeWalt. Like I have a mm-hmm. DeWalt cap. I don't own the DeWalt saw. I just have the side yeah. cover that so I So you bought. have 11 and a half tracks. I did it for, <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a lot of those plates. I, I, I thought I had one over here. Um, I just had one on my desk. I think I took it downstairs. Uh, rats. Anyways, um, the Festool one was $50. I was like, man. Ooh. So, yeah, I just started getting into that. And by December, so that was like November. By December, I had a second 3D printer because I, I need to keep up with the man. And I now own 12, 13, 15 mm. 3D printers that run almost mm-hmm. all day. And um, I've got a couple more products that I'm releasing this week, and it's turned into a full-fledged business. But it all started, the point of all that is I was paying attention to what my subscribers were buying off Mm. my Amazon links. And I had no clue that they'd be interested in track saws. I had no clue that they'd be interested in dust collection or hoses or vacuum switches. I, I, I honestly had no clue when I started my channel, but I paid attention to what problems people had and I f- was like, well, how could I make a solution mm-hmm. for that? And pe- people spend money on yep. solutions to problems. Yeah. So if you can come up, if you can notice the problems people have, come up with a solution, yeah. people yeah. will give you money. I got some stuff from uh, Stealth Mounts, and I was like, how simple is this? You could you could three D print this stuff, and it's it's shop jigs and stuff like that, but you know, at a reasonable price point. And um, that's exactly what you've what you've done. You've solved the problem. Somebody doesn't have to spend $50 on a roll of filament. They can go and, and buy that product easily from your website. So you're, you're doing really well on the product side. And so I guess from a product and, and channel um, monetization standpoint, are they fairly equal? I'll, I prob- like right now, we've had months where we've made $3,000 in products. We've had months where we've sold $15,000 mm-hmm. in products. We probably average maybe around ten thousand a month. Mm-hmm. That's top line. That's not, you know, shipping's probably fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's probably five hundred bucks worth of filament. So you know, there's, you know, if we sell ten thousand dollars worth of three D printed products, we're probably profiting maybe seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not including the time. That's not including right. like what we'd pay. You know um ourselves or anything um and i probably make two to three thousand a month on youtube for adsense so you know so without that backing on like the bed without that backing you would oh the only reason why we're i'm able to do this full time is because i have a 3d printing business Mm -hmm. behind youtube and it's pretty predictable and solid and i control Mm -hmm. every part of it if i was relying on affiliate links or um YouTube ads, it's all over right. the place. There's months I'll do a hundred dollars in affiliates. There's months I'll do two thousand dollars in affiliates. It's all it's mm-hmm. out of my control, you know. Um, so yeah, having a business and it's work. I mean, like today, my wife and I worked on 3D printing stuff. Yesterday, Saturday, we worked mm-hmm. on 3D print stuff, you know, like every day we're pulling stuff off the printers, we're like mailing things. You know, we could like Closed down on several days, but one of 
on Etsy, a lot of people ship mm-hmm. seven days. And one of our things like, if we have it, we're just going to yeah. mail it to you that day. You know, and like almost all the reviews say, wow, fast shipping. So that's one of our things like, we're just going to, as soon as you order, if we have it in stock, which we almost always do, it's yeah. going out that day. You know, just, it's just what it is. So we work. Like, it's not like we're just hanging out, making right. lots of money. Like, but I'd, I would rather work with my wife out of our spare bedroom than go make someone else up mm-hmm. $10,000. Yeah. yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. Or do you, do you have that thing down yeah. to a science to where you've got the timing down or that is it just like like are you running all the jobs at the same time to where they all finish at the same time and you start another batch no they'll i mean we have like the settings dialed in so everything is now on like sd cards and we have like two printers that are dedicated to mm-hmm. festal color we have two makita printers i have a craig printer i've got a ryobi printer i have like three or four black printers i have a milwaukee printer um and uh i think that might be it um and so like every filament is going to have a little bit different um what you call you know i calibrate was called the e-steps which is you tell the printer send a hundred millimeters of filament through but depending on the filament and the color there might be more or less resistance and so you might get 97 millimeters because Mm -hmm. there was more resistance in the thing and so you change what's called the e-steps you just um there's like a calculation to make. It's really boring. <laughs> but I have all the printers dialed in to whatever filament That's color great. I'm using. And then those files are dialed into that. So my all my wife has to do at this point is like walk in and like hit start. And then, you know, it comes off the printer and goes into the bin and all that stuff. So they're not timed, but everything is, you know... You know, we'll walk in a couple times a day. And, oh, this one's done. Let's pull this mm-hmm. one off and restart it. We could probably maximize a little bit more, but you know, have you we're done not any? I haven't come across it. Have you done any content on that process? I thought about it. Um, I'm. I've kind of wondered like how mm-hmm. well it would perform, but I'm getting those almost every week. Mm-hmm. I am getting those questions like, "Hey, what printer should I get?" Etc. So I'm in the beginning stages of working on a, you know, everything you need to know about 3D printing mm-hmm. if you're a woodworker mm-hmm. video. Um, the next step will be asking the audience yeah. what they want to know, and I'll build it from there. But I, I think I've hit the point of, I know I can help people. It's just, yeah, are they interested? And then if they are interested, well, what do you want to know? I could speak for one. And and say that yeah I'm interested but I'm I'm just one <laughs> so I guess if if you're watching this on YouTube leave a comment below if you're uh, if you're interested in that yeah what yeah do what do you want to know head over to uh to his channel to Drew's channel what works so yeah you're doing you're doing everything from the the dust covers uh, to rail guide covers hose adapters um, with the dust cover being your number one yeah. top seller. Yeah, I think the the number one seller now is these starter kits where you you get a a dust cap, a rail rail protection caps, uh, a deflector, a hose hose deflector. I'm about to release these track saw. Um, I'm sorry, guide rail mounts that you can screw onto a wall or your garage door and like hang and like store your your okay. tracks. Um. So and I've got. Uh, some more sanding accessories that are that are coming out. 
um, oh, I've gotten a lot of requests for these Rockler hoses. So I just bought a cup, like the, mm-hmm. the popular Rockler hoses. So I have uh, hose clips where you can, if you've got a sander or a tool that you're hooking up, you can clip your power cord to the to the hose and it like stay together. Um, so those will, I've got, I think three or four of those models that'll get listed this week. Um, and a lot of times people just ask me like, Hey, do you have any interest in making this? And like, when I get like five of those, I go, okay, right. I think we're on to something, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's I would awesome. that. But I'm not the only, like I haven't right. invented it. There's like, there's people who have done this stuff and they, they do way better than but me. But you're, 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 background in photography or you know videography lighting uh just making a better visual presentation i think that helps stand helps you stand out you know among the crowd you know even people like who are making cutting boards if if you make cutting boards and you're struggling to make those sales of cutting boards on etsy um which if you can avoid Etsy for cutting boards, you should. <laughs> it's saturated and it's expensive. Or just avoid cutting yeah. boards completely. Yeah. It's more profitable. <laughs> yeah. I had Big Sawyer on um, you know, for last week's episode and and he does this whole series that's uh, you know, instead of cutting boards, make this. And uh it's it's so oh, that's good. Brilliant. Yeah. I love you that. Should, you should go check that check his channel out because it's He's he's I'll, funny. I will. He and he build, builds that. in lots of you know dad jokes and appropriate humor. So, but you know, it's it's a my guilty pleasure. It's nice. <laughs> you know, a, 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 so a funny, a, a really good story, a lesson I learned is um, when I was pastoring, one of the parishioners was an I think he was probably eighty, and he used to be the hotel manager for the Beverly Hills Hotel. Mm. He was the general manager of the Beverly Hills Hotel. And he and so one day we go to lunch and anytime I'm in company like that, I'm always like, Hey, what do I need to know that I don't know? Mm. You know? Like, or yeah, what do I what do I not know that I need to know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me this he said, you know, when I went to hotel school in Switzerland, the first lesson they teach all the general managers is the eye eats mm. first. And I was like, what? And he goes, when you walk into a hotel lobby, a disproportional amount of the money is spent on the exterior of the Mm. hotel in the lobby. It's true. Because the eye eats first. And he goes, where hotels really make their money is the restaurant. He's like, you could have the worst tasting hamburger in the restaurant, but if it's served in a beautiful way, Mm. in a beautiful dining room, you can charge $40 for it because the eye eats first, not the stomach. Dang. And and he he's just like, yeah, like this is how the Beverly Hills Hotel runs is we, you know, we have our food, but it is served in a beautiful way, in a beautiful atmosphere. He's had, you know, my uh Michael Jordan, uh Michael Jackson has stayed at his hotel. Like he's had the most famous people in the world stay at his hotel, mm. and he's like the the number one lesson that he wanted to pass on to me is the I eats first. So I always, I've always remembered that lesson, whether it's YouTube videos or like the lobby at church mm-hmm. or a listing photo on my store or on Etsy is the I eats first. Before they read the description, before they read the title of the video, the first thing they see is visual. And so I put as, I put so much effort into what does the thumbnail look like? What does the video quality look like? What does the Etsy listing look like? 
all of that because the eye eats so first. good that's so so good i want to take a little bit of that into the after show uh we'll record a few minutes over there for the for the patron members so hopefully we can hopefully you'll now i should have saved yeah, all this okay. for uh so yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'll come perfect. up with some good stuff. So we'll we'll head over there. But um, if people want to find you, um, I'll put the links in the description uh, below, so you can check that out. But you can look up uh, Drew, or you can look up Whitworks on YouTube, or Whitworks on Instagram. Anywhere else? Uh, so your website, of course. Yes, my website's Whitworks.shop. Yep. I knew I was gonna. I knew I was not gonna yeah. get that right. So uh, let me let you take that one over. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. It's so all thanks good. for being here. Um, and I'll, I'll leave all that those links there. Thanks, we'll man. head over to the after show. I'm Matt with Boltner Woodworking. You can find me on Instagram or YouTube at Boltner Woodworking. And uh, I tell people don't follow me on TikTok because it's just reposts of my Instagram content. <laughs> I'm not even on TikTok. Good for you. <laughs> you're, you're smart. You're smart. Uh, I think my last my last uh, TikTok was months ago, so uh, I just I just don't care. I don't. Oh, I don't want to put the effort into it. Follow uh, Maker Lounge podcast on Instagram and uh, YouTube. You can also watch these um, uh, episodes on YouTube, so you can see uh, Drew's smiling face over there. And uh, make sure that you subscribe. Help us get to that hundred mark. <laughs> we'll get you there. There you go. All right, let's head over to that after show. Thanks for listening. All of our patrons are awesome, but thanks to our top tier patrons, our rock star patrons, Jimmy McAnally, Artigino Serio, Wim Design, Calvary Customs LLC, Clean Cut Woodworking, Bailey Thompson, Dave Garcia, Broken Lead Woodworks, Starks Lagoon, and new patron, Sawyer Design. If you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. We'll see you next week's episode.